Okay, we made it. <laughs> uh, welcome to New Hope Community Church. Uh, those who are live and live streaming, I know lots of people on vacation this week, but they all promise they're going to be watching, so I'm count- holding you guys to it. Here's my secret word, Oreo cookies. Now, no, I'll say, what's my secret word? I don't know if they watch the sermon. Okay, so there we go. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Some parents actually do that. They, they were, I, I got that from a parent. They said, well, my son said he's not coming. He promised to watch it. So say, uh, say something that I can ask him about. You know, so anyway. Uh, uh, prayers for Karen Kalinchuk. Uh You probably know it's Karen's not here. Her, his, her dad passed away this week, so be praying for her and her mom. She's especially asked for prayers for her mom. A lot of you have met them. They've been here many times for special events with the kids and singing and all that kind of stuff. Um, also, uh, next week we have a special event. Um, it's going to really be kind of a Camp Haycock Sunday because, uh, as you know, Mikey, my son Mike, Michael, I've got to call him now, he, uh, <laughs> he, he led the leadership growth group this summer, and, uh, and also Andrew went to that. So Mike will be preaching next week. You've already had Matthew preach. Uh, he's off the ministry. Josh preach. He's off the ministry. Nate has preached. Mike will be the fourth one. So you get another Wilson preaching next week. All right. And he's got Karen, as you know. And uh, so anyway, he's going to be preaching, but he's also going to be sharing about the, what they've done. It's an intense, intense program. They have ministry for the summer, and, and Andrew's going to be sharing something. They've got a video. And Caleb, is Caleb here? I still haven't tracked Caleb down. Anyway, make there. He's upstairs. Okay, he's doing uh, security and helping. So I gotta make sure make sure he talks to me because Caleb's gonna be sharing about the stand. They have a, a more advanced thing called stand, and he, Caleb did that for a year. So I want to make sure he shares about that next week too. Okay, kids, hang on for just a minute because I have your teacher held captive here. You'll see why in a minute. Uh, but uh, just hang on. I'll dismiss you after she shares something. But we are in Romans. We've been going through the book of Romans, and uh, we don't turn to Romans because we're not there today. Uh, we did Romans five one to five. Last time, no pain, no gain. Remember that steps to positive suffering. I don't. I hate it when I hit these passages because you know you know what's coming, right? Uh, it's been a crazy. The barn burns down. You know, Josh. We hear Josh in the fest. It's actually Georgie. Call give a wave, Georgie. It's actually Georgie's barn. All right, it's her barn. Uh, so uh, we, we'll pray for wave again. They didn't see you, Joy. Wave again. There she is. All right. So uh, that's Jen's mom, Georgie. And uh, so be praying for everybody involved. There. But the barn burns down. Then my dad has the heart attack. You know, they, they, the widow maker, somehow he survives it, quintuple bypass, gets home. They put him back in again, that he's home again. So, Dad, I'm glad you're home again. All right? So, he's home. And then uh, we had the, the wedding last week. <laughs> then the next day we had the baptism, both beautiful, blessed events, both of them. Wow, what a baptism, huh? Was that amazing? The testimonies of oh, beautiful in that river. And, uh, and then I, we could finally settle down, you know, chill out on Monday because that's when they started working on our house. <laughs> it's when everything got delivered. It just, I said, Kim, why would you do it then? You know, why, why could we wait a week? She was, that's when they delivered it. Matt had to get going on it. So our, our whole downstairs is torn up, just torn up. Uh, anybody feel like their life is torn up right now? Don't raise your hand. I already know who you are. I've, I've heard all the stories. You know, lots of lives torn up, right? Well, we're going to take this to a whole nother level. We're going to look at a parallel passage to Romans 5, 1 to 5, and it's going to really connect some dots. We're going to really zero in on James 
1, verses 2 to 4. If you want to turn your Bibles to 1004, now you can turn to James, the book of James, 1004, if you grabbed one of the Bibles on the way in. And if you need a Bible, be our guest. Take it. It's our gift to you anytime. You're always welcome to them. You don't even have to ask, okay? Uh, the title for today is The Key to Finding Real Joy. The key to finding real joy, and we'll have all the verses up here too. If you, if you don't have a Bible in your hands, it's okay. Uh, and I, I, the key to finding real joy, I really have a longer title, but I won't put it up. We must recognize, realize our pure joy, our PJs, our PJs, our pure joy. James 1 2 to 4. What's a PJ? Well, you're going to find out. Uh, though some might remember, because a couple years ago I, we went through the book of James, and some of you might still remember the whole PJ thing. But I will give you a hint. For many years, Emily was Kim's PJ. It was Emily's PJ, her pure joy. Now, she's just simply a joy now, but, but she was her pure joy for a minute. And so one story really stands out. Kim, I, I have asked Kim to come up and share that before she leads the kids out like Moses out of the, out of the service. So... So, Emily, to be honest, this is a really hard story to remember because you're not like this anymore, Emily. (laughs) Nothing. But when Emily was um, little, the doctor used to always call her my shadow because wherever I went, Emily went. Whatever I did, Emily did. And if I was in the middle of something, somebody was always interrupting me. So that was Emily, and that was just toddlerhood with Emily. She's great now, though. So, um, So... There's a story that goes like this. Chuck's favorite cake is called a cherry cake. His mom makes it great. She does. And this cake is from scratch. She's a farmer. They do everything from scratch. Maraschino cherry cake. There's a lot of intricate things about this frosting for this cake. So I knew I had to make this cake. It was, I don't know, probably Danielle's first birthday. Danielle's first birthday. Um, Emily was like two and a half. I have to make this cake. And so I asked the older kids, because I homeschooled, so everybody was home, can you take everybody into the basement while I'm doing the syrup candy frosting part? Because you have to do it all at the same time. If you don't, it's a mess. So anyway, so they take everybody downstairs, Emily included. It really was Emily. Take her downstairs. (laughs) And as I'm getting the syrup to the exact temperature it needs to be on the stove, you have to then pour it into the, the egg whites, and you have to do it all at the same time and beating as fast as you can because then it comes out like frosting. So they took the kids downstairs, and I'm in the middle of just pouring in this hot boiling syrup, okay? I'm in the middle of pouring it into the egg whites, and I hear Emily, Mom, Mom, Mom. And I turn fast to see her, and I have long hair, and I had the beaters going as fast as they can because you, ha- you have to do it this way, I'm just telling you. And my hair goes flying into the beaters. So my hair gets wrapped up, and it's this pink, hot syrup frosting. Now, what does it do? It hardens. So I have my hair in beaters hardened to my head like this. And I'm like, no, God, no, this can't be happening. I, 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 like, I was in shock. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Emily. And so the first thing I do, my instinct always is rip it. So I rip the first one, and I rip my hair. And then I got smart. After I thought for a second, just get it hot again. It will melt. So I go and run my hair under hot water, and my hair melted out of the other one. But that is my story of my little Emily 
who that was a picture of what happened in my life. And then when I I came home, tell them what you said when I got home. I have no idea. Oh, so I came in the door all excited about my, you know, the cake. It's really for Dee's birthday, but I know it's for me. I come in and and Kim is sitting there and her hair is a big mess and she's like redder redder than the maraschino cherries. She goes, you better love this cake. I go, what? Because you're Emily, she was my shadow too. You're Emily. Yeah, oh, it was it was horrendous. All right, the kids can follow Kim out now. Uh, she's cooling off. She's safe to follow now. All right, so I had to have Kim tell that. Now Emily is now she's simply a joy, not a pure joy or a PJ anymore. But we're going to see exactly what a PJ, a pure joy, is today, and why God allows them in our life. Whether it's a person, place, or thing, why God allows this in our life. Father, we just thank you for the worship. We thank you now for your word. We pray for your mercy and grace to speak to our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. And pray that if anybody has never put their faith in you, that today would be that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to have fun with this one. We're going to have fun. I want to encourage you, memorize these verses. A couple verses. Put them to music if you have to. Memorize them. I'm going to read it here so I have the right version here. But uh, here we go. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. Memorize it. Verse 2. Here we go. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. We are told here to make a conscious decision to keep a joyful attitude when we go through a trial. Command, right? To keep a joyful attitude when you go through a, a trial. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm struggling, I'm not too happy. I'm not too happy. When I think of joy, I think when I think we all do. When we think of joy, we think of vacation, we think of beaches, we think of cruises, right? Uh, you know, that's what we we think of, not stressful events. If you're watching Family Feud, you know, is this even still on now? If you're watching Family Feud and they say, okay, things that you are joyful about, things you're uh, joyful about, and they're going down the line, and someone says, oh. Painful trials, painful, difficult trials. Oh, let's see if it's up there. Difficult trials. Bah, it's not going to be there. Nobody thinks of that when they think of joy, okay? That's not what anybody thinks about. That's not something that brings us joy. But when we're talking about joy, God thinks trials. He thinks trials. That tough job, that pain, that sickness, that problem child is, is not a reason to stress. Not a reason to freak out. <laughs> Anybody convicted? I know I'm not. Uh, but, but this is something to enjoy. And not just joy, but look at what he says. Pure joy. Pure joy. PJ. That's why I get the word PJ. What's your PJ? Right? Keep remembering that because that's your go- take-home assignment. What, look for your PJ. What's my PJ? Not your pajamas. It's a pure joy. All right? <clears throat> pure joy. <clears throat> pure. Unmixed with any negative attitudes boy that's tough huh especially when we are facing our pure joy the word for trial here consider pure joy whenever you face trials the word for trial in the greek is perasmus and perasmus means two things it means external affliction and also internal temptations 
Did you realize that? Temptations are a form of, of, of a trial. They're a form of affliction. Affliction. So the things that happen to us on the outside are, are the trials that he's talking about. Like you get in a car accident, that's a, your barn burns down. You know, that's something that happens on the outside. That's an external affliction. But also internal temptations that God allows are a form of trial, a form of testing for us. In fact, in Matthew 4.1, talking about Jesus' temptations, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Tempted is the same exact word here as used here in James. The same exact one for trial. The temptation, it's the same word. God allows us to be tempted. He allows us to be tempted, tested to grow us spiritually as we're going to see. So keep in mind, it's not just the outward of the trials, but it's the inward trials that God allows to grow us. Why should we enjoy trials? Is God sadistic? <laughs> or does he have a good purpose for them? Verse 3, he allows them because, James 1, 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of our faith develops perseverance. Where did we see that word before? Romans 5, 3 to 5. Remember, we, that's the parallel passage here. Remember, we dealt with that whole perseverance thing. God uses trials to test our faith, which then develops perseverance in us. The word for test here in the Greek is doc a Doc Emion is found only in one other place. Now, I know I don't usually do a lot of Greek, but there's so many connections here. There, there's, there's only one other place in the New Testament that that word for testing is used. Who knows? Big money prize. Who never knows that? I'm kidding. Okay. First Peter 1, 6 to 7. In 1 Peter 1, 6-7, where it's translated, prove this time. Look at this. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Here it's translated proved. Proved. Testing in James, proved here. And the idea is to prove it genuine. Just as in James 1, 3, the reason for, there's a reason for the testing is to show that our faith is for real. That's what it's doing. Just as gold is refined in the fire, God refines our faith in the fires of adversity. In the fires of adversity. He burns out the junk. He burns out the sin. He burns out the wrongful attitudes. And he, what he wants to leave is golden faith. That's what God's goal is here, which is strong, which is untainted, which is proved genuine. Look what has happened the last couple of years during the whole pandemic situation, what we went through. God separated the gold from the dross. He separated lots of, of Christians that we thought were Christians that weren't, you know, the weeds and the wheat. You know, he separated a lot of that. But inside each of us personally, he also separated the gold from the dross. He, that's what he did. He, he refined us because he's getting us ready for much more severe tests, as we have been talking about. 
If you haven't listened to the Daniel Revelation series I did during the pandemic online, listen, because God is preparing us for much more severe tests. We see the signs of it constantly. Just watch, read, listen to the news, what's going on, right? So God is, is that's what God has done. He's, he's, he's refining us. And that's what James 1.3 is stressing. Back to James 1.3 where it says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance our it's it's our faith is stronger now because of the trial that we've gone through our faith is stronger because our trials have produced perseverance perseverance the word for perseverance in the greek is hoop it means i think of hippo you can't move a hippo that's the idea it's steadfastness steadfastness, a spiritual toughness. And this is vital because we live in a, a society. We, God wants to develop that steadfastness, that spiritual toughness in us, that endurance in us, because we live in a society which says just the opposite. We live in a society whose answer for every trial is escape the trial, right? Soothe that pain, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. Soothe it with a pill. Soothe it with pot. Soothe it with a drink. Soothe it with pornography. That's one of the main things people use pornography for. It's a soother. Soothe it with your cell phone. Soothe it with something. Just don't face what you're dealing with. And, but but we, we are called to do something different. Will we bow out or will we persevere? Through what we're going, we, will we allow God's powerful purpose in our life through the trial we are going through? Will we, will we get, will we get, get everything we're supposed to get out of that? In verse four, in verse four, it talks about this very thing: perseverance must finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That is the goal is to mature us, is to complete us. It, it, the trials produce perseverance. And as we persevere through trials, that completes our maturity, our maturity. Uh, it, it must finish its work. In Greek, the word is ergantelion. It means to finish the work. It means to complete the goal of completing us. Complete the goal of completing us. God's goal is not our happiness. God's goal is not our prosperity. God's goal is not our health and wealth. Sorry, all the word of faith people. I know there's none left here. I've beaten the heck out of, uh, you know, <laughs> beaten that out of you, right? But God's goal is our spiritual maturity. And trials accomplish that if we keep the right attitude. If we keep the right attitude. But if we don't keep the right attitude, if we, accept, if we don't accept God's coaching, guess what? We've got to do it all over again. We've got to go, go through the cycle. God will put us in the same spin cycle. He'll put us in the same frustrating job situation. The same teacher that's such a pain. The, the same person, the same pain in the butt, the pib. You know, you got a PJ, you got pibs, right? Pain in the butt. Uh, it's deja vu all over again, as Yogi used to say, right? Deja vu all over again. Only the names have been changed. You say, why? I've had people say, why do I, every time I get a job, I got the same issues, the same problems. And I'm like, <coughs> do I really have to say it? <laughs> you know, I tell them, do I really need to connect the dots here for you? Because God, he's working on something. I've never done that, by the way. But anyway, uh, it says, then it says uh, we, we can block God's purpose if we bail out, 
if we self-medicate, if we're whining, if we are bitter, we get bitter, right? Or, or even if we are stoic. And this is tricky because a lot of times when we suffer, well, I'm a Christian, I can't whine, I can't do all that, but, but well, I'm just going to grit my teeth, grit and bear it, you know, I'm just stoic. You know, we, just, we just endure it. We endure it without embracing God's purpose. That's key, right? That's just as tricky. We endure it, but we don't embrace it. We don't embrace God's purpose. We don't embrace it with joy. And, and, and when we do that, we're, we're missing out on what God's trying to do. Uh, Laurel, uh, Laurel, my little Laurel, uh, she loves to be tickled. And often at night, we, you know, I usually put her to bed. We, you know, we're laying in the bed. We're watching some video, and she falls asleep there. And and she, but but we're, we lately we've been watching the new. Um, uh, Lost in Space series, you know. We're watching it for the second time. Uh, and I know every part of it, right? The, it's actually really good, the new one. The old one's pretty corny, but the new one, really good, really, really good. Uh, really family-friendly. But we watch it, and all of a sudden, we'll kind of a slow time, and, and she'll just, like, elbow me or punch me. And that's the cue. I want to be tickled now because she likes, just loves to be tickled. She needs that to go to sleep. I know it's crazy, but, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. But you, though you know the history, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, so I'll start to tickle her. And I'll tickle her and I'll tickle her. And this is, then she'll have enough. She'll say, okay, that's enough. Dad, stop. I go, I'm not dead. I'm the robot, you know. And, and you get, the only way I'll stop tickling you, is, tickling you is if you don't make any noise because the robots hear the humans or they see, see, see energy sources. And so I go, so if you make any noise, I'm going to keep tickling you. So she says, she's holding her breath and I'm tickling her. And I, 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 I know every tickler spot. I really get her going. And, and she says, I go, did I hear a noise? Oh, get a little bit more. The robot's tickling his door. And finally, she can't take anymore, and she explodes. <laughs> she screams and laughs, and then I really tickle her. And, uh, but, but that's a lot of times what we do with suffering. We're like gritting our teeth and holding it in, and God wants us to let out the joy. He wants to, to, to get joy out of that. That's what he's trying to do. And, 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 and we, he wants us to have that joy. The same with the trials. We shouldn't grit and bear it. You know, grin and bear it. Grit and bear it. We have to find the joy in it. I'm not saying we have to laugh about it. I, I don't usually do that with, with, in trials. But, but we have to find the joy in it. Paul Azinger, a lot of you know him, golfer, great golfer, retired now. Uh, he got cancer. Do you remember when he got, some of you golf fans, remember when he got cancer in the midst of his career? It was just terrible. He said this. Here I got a picture of him. He's got a bald head during this time. He lost his hair. He says, when something like this happened, you can scream, why me? Why me, God? You can run away or you can do an about face and run to God. Cling to him for your hope, Azinger says. That's what I did. I just ran to God. I realized I was not in control of my life. God allows things to happen that we don't always know or understand. But my greatest hope is in the eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's where my security lies. That's where my hope lies. When he started chemotherapy treatment, he said he was vomiting every 20 minutes for nine hours, his first treatment. Three weeks later, my clumps of my hair was falling out. But yet I was as content.
and happy as I've ever felt in my, through, in my life throughout this cancer. I was guilty even as a Christian of trying to get my happiness from where I was on the money list or from winning championships. There's nothing anyone can accomplish in this world that can bring the happiness I'm feeling right now. If the doctors had told me, Zinger, you can't play golf anymore, I would be all right. This whole ordeal, this has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. That's supernatural. I can preach it. (laughs) But it's supernatural to live it. To live it is supernatural. And the same goes for temptation. Not just affliction like cancer, but the same goes for temptations too. Remember Matthew 4, 1, Jesus, when he was tempted, that was a trial, the same word. God allows these for a purpose. In Hebrews 2, 10, it says this, talking about Jesus, in bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. And he's talking specifically about temptation, as we're going to see in just a minute here. Jesus was already perfect. He was already perfect, never sinned. But God was using this to perfect his plan for Jesus, his plan for his life. That's what he's talking about here in Hebrews 2. In verse 18, it says this, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Temptation is a form of suffering. And Jesus went through that so he could help us. Jesus knows exactly what we are going through. No matter what temptation you're facing, he knows exactly what you're going through, what we're going through. Because he suffered already. God uses temptation to test us and to strengthen our faith if we obey and persevere in faith. If we do that. But if we don't, it won't. It weakens our faith if we don't. It weakens our faith. And if we give in or we justify our sin or we say, God made me this way, then our faith is shaken. And, and if we end up going even further, the Bible doesn't really mean that. The Bible doesn't really mean what it says. We Just like in the Garden of Eden, the lie. Remember, Satan, did, did God really say that? doesn't really mean that. And then when we buy that lie, our faith dies. Our faith dies. How is God completing our faith? How is he perfecting us? How is he refining us? How are we responding? Do we give up? Do we give in to sin? Or are we persevering with joy? Will we start to do that? Will we start to persevere with joy? I remember one of the the times I really learned perseverance. I I swam in college. And uh, our coach wanted me to swim distance. <laughs> I love that coach. Hey, he wanted me to swim distance, and his whole goal, the last race of my individual race of my career, was going to be the 1650. That's 66 lengths of the pool. And he wanted me to get ready for that. That was his goal for my season. So he prepared me and the team, the other distance swimmers, he prepared us by we were swimming up to 10,000 yards a day at one point. That's six miles of swimming. That was the equivalent of running a marathon physically. That's what it's equal. We did that every day. 
every day. 8,000 strokes a day. It was brutal. It, it, was, it was brutal. And I, I'll, but went through it because there was a goal. He wanted, us to, he wanted me and different guys to swim to 1650, the distance. He wanted us to go the distance. And uh, then finally it was the day to swim to 1650. I'm going to never forget it. was at the league championships. And uh, I started off swimming, and I felt great because I was in shape. I felt great. First 500, basically three 500s in a row. The first 500, I felt great. I was cruising, and then I got hit. With pain in my stomach, it felt it felt like appendicitis attack. That's the only way I could describe it. It just hit me out of the blue. It was crazy. I get hit with this. It was the worst pain I've ever had in swimming. It was excruciating. And I remember thinking, I can't keep swimming. I, I'm going to stop. There's no way I could keep swimming. This is horrible. And but I knew the coach was watching. <laughs> I could see him every time I breathed. And, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to try one more lap. I got 46 to go. I'm just one more. I'll, I'll do one more, and then I'll say, I did my best. I'm going to do one more. I did the flip turn. Just, it's horrible, but one more. Well, I'll just try one more. And I kept going. All 66 lengths in excruciating pain. It was crazy. You're always in pain swimming, but this was something else. It was like a night jab to my gut. It was horrible. And, and I finished it. I finished it. Uh, I, I, it was, I made it. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it, but I had joy. When I hit that wall, I had joy. And that coach was uh, so excited. He was thrilled because I did a really good time for me. And, and I, I, went, I actually saved the splits. I kept them in my sport memento book. Because when I went to look at my splits later, I saw where, where I got the, the pain in my stomach, but I didn't slow down. My times never slowed down. I did the same speed the entire race. The splits were Unbelievable. Over and over again, the same 50 split, the same 50 split. It was crazy because I persevered. I prepared and persevered. All those 10,000 yards prepared me to persevere. And, and now I have lasting joy. That's a picture. That's when I learned a vital lesson on perseverance. The whole season, but it, it was a whole season on perseverance I had every day, but also ending with a painful 66 lengths of the pool. Are we letting our trials grow us or are we growing bitter? That's the thing. We either get bitter or better from our trials. That, that's the only choice we have. Are we helping other people grow through trials, including our kids? This is tricky. All you helicopter parents out there. Uh, hey, this is tricky, right? I remember on the farm, uh, we would find cocoons all the time, butterfly cocoons, and we'd get them and put them in a jar and wait for them to hatch, and then we'd let the butterfly go. But sometimes they were, weren't getting out quick enough where we'd say, well, let's give them a little hand. Remember I talked about the baby chicks last time? And, and if, if we helped them out, guess what happened? Well, not right away they don't die. They come out with these swollen bodies and these shriveled wings, and they never fly, and then they die. They come out with swollen body, shriveled wings, they never fly, then they die. Because struggling out of that cocoon is God's way of pushing the fluids from the body into the wings. 
They've got to struggle for that to happen. But too often we as parents try to help them. Our kids, we try to, we help them too much. We mean well, but we're crippling them emotionally. We have a whole generation in the United States now, right? They're crippled. Or we even kill their potential. We kill their purpose. Uh, Becca had a, Becca at a wedding, I gave out her bunny trophy. I gave it to her at the wedding. It was really cute. She didn't think it was cute, but I thought it was cute. But anyway, uh, but she she had a bunny, and she she wanted this bunny. She had several bunnies. We ended up with lots of bunnies, but that's if you get two bunnies, you have lots of bunnies. But anyway, the the um, the the one bunny we decided to let it have babies, and, and the bunny's name was Little Blue. Little Blue was a cute little dwarf bunny. And then we got another bo- a boy bunny for her called, he was a black bunny, we called him Mr. Black. So we had Mr. Black and Little Blue, and oh, they were the cutest bunnies ever. And, and they started having babies, and then we had black and blue babies. It was the cutest babies ever. And so, but I'll never forget the first time she had the babies. Uh, we were all excited. She had some babies. We could see them in the nest, you know, and we're waiting. We waited a few days and I went to check on them. The baby was dead. Becca was heartbroken. The mother, what the mother does is it bites fur off of its stomach and it creates like a cocoon for the baby to keep it warm. But little blue was so intense on this that she wrapped the baby so tight. She didn't give the baby any room to breathe. She wrapped it so tight. She was so protective of this baby, making sure it's warm. She, she killed her baby, suffocated it. No parents like that right here. But anyway, uh, so what I finally figured out to do is the next time, as soon as the babies were born, I got them out. And I, when she wasn't around, and sure enough, she wrapped it tight. I opened up a little air for them to breathe. I put them back in. Then the next day, I had to do it again because she'd wrap them too tight. They kept them until they got big enough. And then, then they survived. But I had to keep creating this breathing space, let them breathe. And, and <clears throat> that's what we as parents do. We mean well so many times, but we need to let our kids struggle. We need to let them grow. Oh, we need to let them learn to persevere, to figure out, just like we have to, right? What trial is God using in our kids' lives? What God, trial is God using in our lives to grow us spiritually? Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's a trial. Maybe it's our marriage or family. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's finances, sickness, uh, loss. Maybe it's persecution. Maybe it's a painful person, a painful person that God is using to perfect us. That painful person that we can't stand them, but God's using them to perfect us. Uh, I remember when Josh was, Joshua was about 12 and Nathan was about 11. And, you know, when you turn 12, you kind of become more mature, but the younger one's still immature. And, and Nate was driving Josh nuts. He, he really did. Uh, now they're best friends. But, but at that time, he was making him crazy. And I'll never forget one time Josh was talking about, you know, some spiritual things. He said, you know, he was really mad at Nate. He goes, it would be easy to be a Christian if it wasn't for Nate. I think we can all relate to that, right? But in reality, our pib, our pain in the butt is our PJ. Our pib is our PJ, our, our pure joy. They're our best friend spiritually. God is using them to perfect us. Who or what is your PJ? Who or what is your PJ? And maybe you're not a Christian yet, and God has sent that PJ into your life. God is, is using a hard time, using trials to bring you to faith. 
God is using trials to bring you to faith. You're not a Christian yet, but he's using that hard time to bring you to your knees, to bring you to the cross of Jesus Christ. For the first time in your life, you realize that you need God, both for this life and the life to come. You need God, and God's using that to bring you to that realization. But we can't have that relationship with God unless we... God the Father, until our sin is forgiven, our relationship is restored. We have forgiveness through Jesus Christ who came to make that possible by dying on the cross for our sin, by rising from the dead for our justification. Remember Romans 4.25, we just studied that. He he died for our sins and he rose to life for our justification. Jesus did that to to make a way to God the Father, to give us a brand new life through Jesus. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, given your life to him? Do you have eternal life? And not only eternal life, but are you finding God's purpose here? Eternal life starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus. It's not up in heaven somewhere. It starts the very moment, the very second you put your faith in Jesus. That begins your real life, and it goes on forever. Have you ever taken that step of faith? We're going to pray in just a minute. As Christians, maybe you say, I've already done that. But, but are, we, are, is, are we getting out of this life what God's purpose is, is for this life? What's our PJ? Who is our pure joy? Who is God using to refine me? What is God using to complete me? Will I choose joy? Doesn't mean we don't wake up stressed. Doesn't mean we don't have anxiety in the morning. Doesn't mean we don't get down sometime. But we're able by the Holy Spirit's help to work through it, to go from faith to fear, to go from anxiety to peace. It's a daily battle, right? But at least we can do it. We have the ability, supernatural ability to do it. Are we doing that? Will we choose joy? I put an insert in the bulletin, and I want you to take this home and put it somewhere you're going to see it. Post it somewhere on the TV, bathroom air, put it on your phone, something. Uh, My Aunt Carol sent this to me. Uh, When my Uncle Norm had passed away, my Aunt Carol sent me some of his spiritual things. He was in ministry for many, many years. Godly man, just wonderful guy. But he struggled with cancer. For many years. And she sent me these notes. And there was more to it. This is what was on it. But his notes were written all over it. Scribbled all over it. And I, I never forget. I, 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 say, I wrote, put it in the, typed it all out and saved it. Then my Aunt Carol ended up passing away. But before she passed away, she had sent me this. And this was powerful. This is someone in ministry for his whole life, cancer for much of his life, brutal, brutal. Those of you who have cancer know what I'm talking about. Many years. He says there's seven steps to follow when a trial is set into your life. When a crisis comes, acknowledge that the Lord is trying to get your attention, number one. 
Number two, assume that the trial is no accident. That shifts your eyes from circumstances to the Lord. Number three, by faith, thank him. It gets harder as we go. Thank him for the trial. Your life is in his hands. Anyone who loves you as much as he loves you will never hurt you. Ask the Lord for wisdom to see what he's trying to teach you. James 1.5. Read on ahead on wisdom. Number five, be cheerful in your situation. I told you it gets harder. Sad complaints are really expressions of doubt in God's wisdom and goodness. Number six, tell God you are willing to make changes. You want to be like Jesus no matter what the cost. When he convicts you that a change is necessary, admit your need immediately so he can relieve the pressure. Number seven, as you feel the pain reaching for maturity, remember this. When I am getting the worst of it, God is making the most of it to see that I get the best of it. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Would you pray, God, whatever you need to do to accomplish your purpose in and through my life, I surrender to that. Maybe you're in the middle of a severe trial. I know lots of you are. Would you pray, God, give me pure joy. Only God can give us that supernaturally, pure joy. It's not humanly possible. How about that PJ in our life? that person, place, or thing? Would we shift our whole way of looking at that PJ from God, get me out of here, God, get them out of here, to God, get what you want out of this PJ in my life? And maybe here today while we're praying about that, maybe you are listening, watching here, and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you have hit the wall. By God's grace, you're hitting the wall, and, you're, and you know there's nowhere to go because God wants to bring you to the cross, to your knees, to a place of forgiveness and peace and purpose.
Are you ready to put your faith in Jesus? It happens in your heart, but I always encourage people to pray the prayer, to to put an exclamation point on it. The prayer of faith, God, I, I don't want the sin. I don't want the garbage. I don't want the shame. I repent. I walk away from that. Everything in my life that goes against your will and your word for my life, I, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith, my faith in your son, Jesus Christ. I'm depending on him. I'm trusting in him. His death on the cross for me. His resurrection from the dead for me. The life he promises, I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something incredible has happened. If you were at the baptism last week, you heard the testimonies of what happens when you put your faith in Jesus. Your life will never be the same. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. The Bible is going to be a fire to your heart now. You're going to have conviction from the Holy Spirit. You're going to have encouragement and and spiritual power to live a way you never dreamed possible. I want to encourage you to tell somebody today, whether you have someone here to tell, whether you're driving somewhere and you call your mom who's been praying for you or someone at work who's been witnessing to you, tell somebody today so that we can be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that every one of us would know the power of your Holy Spirit in our life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.